Welcome back to the Typical Time Podcast. This week we're on episode 6 with Derek Watson. If you're not aware of Derek, Derek's got his own podcast called the DW Podcast, which you will be able to get on Spotify and all the other podcast platforms. On top of this, Derek is the bass player in a band called The Banter Thieves. The Banter Thieves have supported The View on a couple of occasions, and Derek's also been involved in getting the boys through for DJ gigs and solo gigs and stuff like that. On top of that, Derek's a big fan of the band. So, if you've not already checked out Derek's podcast, I suggest you go and do it, because it's a very good podcast with a varied selection of guests from music, politics, TV, journalism, lots of different subject matter on it. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the show, and thank you for tuning in. I hope you all enjoy your Christmas, and I wish you all a very happy new year. Anyway. I'll speak to you later on after the show. Thanks. Hey Derek, how are you? Not bad, Barton. Thanks very much for having us on. I've enjoyed your podcast so far and, and the guests you've had, so it's a pleasure to be chatting to yourself. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, we'll just start for the start. I like to kind of find out all about you for you growing up, so just let us know your story. Hi, uh, I'm Derek Watson. Uh, I suppose the, the relevance to this is I, I host my own podcast as well uh, called the DW Podcast. Uh, I play in a band called The Banter Thieves and uh, similar to yourself, you know, I've, I've been a View fan probably for the very start. Had the pleasure of, of playing with the boys a few times, playing with uh, Kyle and Kieran as well and, and going out and sharing a few pints with Rennie now and again. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's been a great journey. Uh, for myself personally, I'm uh, a mother old boy. I've been growing up and lived in Motherwell most of my life, apart from a, a short time where I, I lived down south uh, for work. But I, uh, growing up in a, probably similar to yourself, you know, post-industrial working-class town, uh, growing up watching football, listening to music, going to gigs, you know, going for a few pints with your mates. And I suppose for there, the, the things that you really look forward to, for, well, me personally, is is music and football, and, and that's your outlet. And I suppose just now, it's obviously a, a difficult time for many, but... That's the things that I'm missing the most, you know, I can't put into words how much I, I miss live music, but I suppose at, at the end of this, we're hoping that if you're listening to the podcast uh, with yourself, hopefully next year it'll be uh, a new Kyle album and, and a new uh, maybe View album or, or mm-hmm. some more View shows towards the end of the year. So, aye, Neg- negative times just now, but I'm sure it's on the up. Mm-hmm. So, you grew up in Motherwell. Eh... What came, first, what came first for you then, football or music? <laughs> Unfortunately, football. I stayed in the, in the shadows of Fir Park. So uh, my dad had uh, three or four brothers and they're all football daft as well. So unfortunately, as soon as I was old enough to walk, they were dragging me up to Fir Park. And it's been a, a, a sad story since then. I've never watched his lift a cup. Uh, but don't get me wrong, it's for me, it's all about going to the, the football with your friends and your family and and the memories that you make, you know, don't get me wrong, I'd, I'd love to have seen Motherwell win something by now, but, you know, sometimes it's, it's that bit sweeter when you, you get the smaller wins as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what, when did you get into music? Did that come at high I mean, school? That, that probably came at high school. Uh, I've always been surrounded by music all my life, you know, so my family and my mum's side are, are quite musical, I've got musical big cousins and stuff like that, but... 
I got into music probably high school, early high school. And at first, you know, I, I wasn't really into indie bands as much as I am now, or rock bands as much. I was kind of into, you know, kind of pop punk and things like that. I was, <laughs> early years at high school, I was into skateboarding and wearing the baggy jeans and, and spiking my hair up and, and dying it all stupid colours. But uh, probably when I was around about 15, 16 is when I really started getting into, you know, more British and indie bands and, and bands like, you know, the Libertines and the Strokes. And I suppose that all kind of came a wee bit later, believe it or not, you know, I absolutely love the Stone Roses now. And, and before we were uh, recording, there we were talking about, we, we went to the same Stone Roses gig and we were drinking the same pub before it. And mm -hmm. I never got into bands like the Stone Roses until I was probably closer to 17, 18. You know, when I was early, when I was younger, it was very much kind of punky bands for America and, and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. But that's all that was out then, when not it? If, aye, that, aye. if that's what you had then, you were kind of in that kind of void between Britpop and then the the kind of new kind of strokes and all that coming. So you you would have been kind of limp biscuit and all that. Absolutely. Aye. <laughs> I, I feel as if I was almost... I've had a laugh with my, my mate Condy, Keith Condy, that plays in the banter face with me because he's massively into, you know, 90s dance tunes and, and the 90s scene and, and Britpop and, and all that that came through. And I almost feel like we were born 10 years too late. You know, like I, I'd love to have been there in the 90s, going to the early Oasis concerts and, and going to all the, you know, house music stuff and things like that. But it, it wasn't when we were coming through. I suppose maybe this is just, you know, the, the friends and the circles that you move in, but it was kind of pop punk bands and, and things like that. It wasn't until, it's almost like we'd, we'd caught the end of Oasis. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the likes of the view and that weren't they quite on the scene yet. Aye, so it's just... That's just your luck when you were born, in it, man? That's horrible. Uh, don't get then, me wrong, I think, Martin, that I've, I've made up for it in my later years. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what you do, because you just, you go back and you 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 find the music that you, you need to find. Because I, yeah. I kind of, when I was at high school, I think I was like, maybe a year behind everybody getting into Britpop. And then I kind of, everybody liked Oasis or Blur, so I was like, well, I like Cooler Shaker. Brilliant. Uh, like, and like, like, where are they now? You know what I mean? But they were Cooler Shaker and Ash were my two favourite bands back then. And then I got into... That's a brilliant band, man. That's a mm. class. Then after that, I got into Embrace. So like Embrace were my big band until the Libertines came along. And then after the Libertines, it was a few. So... Uh, it's funny I, how people, people tried to make that distinction, you know, and it was always... Uh, blur the Oasis because I bet you there were so many folk out there that probably didn't want to admit it but they liked both of them mm. well that's <laughs> you know, it because there wasn't a bad band really back then you could yeah. unless you were from Manchester or like from where Blur were I think you could just like them both but I, I mean Absolutely. I, I, it, it was that you know Southern v Northern thing, but if you're from Scotland, then it doesn't really affect you, does it? Just enjoy them both. Mm. Appreciate good music because there was a time where we didn't have it. Yeah. So, what what happened then? We how did you get into the band? Did the band come, or when did the band start? Basically. Aye. So I probably started my first band uh, when I was in maybe. Second, second or third year at school, and I know that you know uh, Jamie for the Laugh on Tains quite well, mm -hmm. another motherwell band. So my first band was actually uh, with Daz, who plays guitar in the Laugh on Tains. Right. 
and another boy, Stephen, that we went to high school with, and we were called Missing a Bit. And that was just a mismatch of absolutely everything. We, we'd done covers mainly, covered bands like Blink-182 to Feeder to The Beatles to, you know, it was a bit of everything. We never really had our own style. Uh, and at that stage, I was the singer, which, oh God, if you'd have heard it now, it was absolutely awful, to be perfectly honest. I can't sing a note, but uh, I'd never picked up an instrument before then. Uh, and we used to practice in, in my mate Stephen's garage. And then... When John, who was playing bass, left, we, we didn't know who to get. And, and the boys said to me, why don't you just pick up the bass and play it? It'll be easy. And I was like, I've never done that before. But I picked up the bass and started playing. And, and we played for a few years. And, you know, we, we played some decent gigs. We played in, in Glasgow quite a lot. We played at the, the O2 Academy, which was then the Carlin Academy and things like that. And that was kind of my first taste of, of being in a band. And I think once you, you're going to gigs, you're playing live music, you know, you really catch the bug for it. The banter thieves was was a bit later on, and because we've been we've been a band now for over ten years or so, uh, and that that was when we were just coming out of high school. Uh, I met David, who was the, the original singer in the band, through going to gigs and, and going to the football as well, and and we really had it off, and, and we were kind of starting off round about the same time as as the View were coming through. So we've really really looked up to bands like the View, and, and that scene that was coming out of Dundee at the time we bands like The Law as well. I used to love The Law. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think seeing Scottish bands doing well, you know, we, we used to look down to, as you touched on, you know, bands like The Labertines or even The Strokes here in New York. And you never really had bands in Scotland that you could think, aye, that's what I want to be like. Or, you know, it was always kind of, oh, that's not really us, you know. It's never really happens for, for people like us for working-class yeah. towns in Scotland. And then when the view came through and, and the bands that were coming through around about that time, it was like, aye, that's the driving force. It, it gives you a wee bit of hope. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, we've, we've never hit the, hit the heights that the view have or, or the likes, but we've had some great gigs along the way and we've had the pleasure of, of playing with them and, you know, playing across Scotland, England, places in Europe and stuff. So it's, it's been a it's been a real joy and uh, we still enjoy playing gigs to this day. So, so uh, we start. <coughs> Sorry. No worries. So what happened with the lineup changes and how did uh, David leave? Aye, so uh, I suppose we are still friends to, to a certain extent. We don't see each other as much, but uh, as we got older, so it was David and I first, uh, and, and now it's I'm still the, the only original member, I suppose. But uh, right. Big Daz came in on, on drums, uh, who's still in the band today. He's probably one of the biggest View fans I have ever met. If you ever go into... Into his house or have the pleasure of going back there after a gig because he tends to host parties now and again. He's got mm. all the view albums signed on the wall, vinyls, you know, posters everywhere. He's, he's absolutely obsessed with them. But uh, Keith, who now sings, used to play guitar. And I suppose just as we got older, uh, David, who was singing at the time, had different priorities. You know, he's, he's now a teacher and, he, and he's got a child as well. And, and we kind of just grew apart slightly. And, and we, keep, we kept wanting to play music, and, and he probably didn't have the time for it. Uh, but you know, since, since he left, no, no hard feelings there. Wasn't anything bad about it, and he was happy for us to continue playing with the, the name and keeping some of the tunes that we, we played for the early days. So, uh, yeah. since so, uh, I it was all, all good, but it's a bit of a shame. But as you get older, I suppose you, you see less of people and, and people's priorities change, and mm-hmm. uh, we've we've just continued playing playing to this day. Yeah, I, I was looking at some of your stuff, and obviously. 2018 looked like a big year for these. Like, 
everything was gone. You had a song out for the, the mother role. Was that, that's was right, that 2018? Yeah. Uh, I think that's when you played Lafontaine's gig at the Savage as well. Uh, uh, so there was so uh, that, that looked like a good that looked like a good year and then obviously leading into 2019 and then everything that happened and it's all went to shit, kinda. So talk us through that kind of that year because that's kind of an ah fun a bit easily. It's a funny one, Martin, because I think, you know, I spoke about when, when we first started and, and the view were coming through. And I think back then, you know, our, our priority kind of was, you know, we want to play as many big gigs as possible and we want, to, we want to tour with bands and things like that. And it never really happened for us. And, and I think sometimes, you know, lots of bands out there, perfectly honest, I mean, I, I don't think we, we committed ourselves enough to it back then when we were younger, you know, as yeah. I said, you know, Dave, Dave's a teacher now and, and Keith's got his own job, a, a good job, and, and Daz has got his own business being a builder. I think, you know, it was something that we kind of played around with as a, as a hobby, whereas there was other bands out there, like The View, for example, who were doing this five nights a week. You know, they really dedicated themselves to it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the Snuts are a perfect example. They're now another band that have done that. I remember, must have been 2017, I think, or 2018. I 2017. It would have been Christmas or New Year. We played in King Tut's with The Snuts, uh, and Retro Video Club, what I think that makes a big difference for bands is we played that gig and it was the Snuts' first headline show in Glasgow, I believe, and they were headlining. And it, it sold out, you know, the day or a few days before it. And uh, I, I'd heard the Snuts a few times and I remember seeing Jack playing solo stuff beforehand a few years earlier. And I always thought they were really good, but we were talking to him backstage at the gig and he said to me, I says, what do you think the future is? And he goes, we're going to be big. You know, he's like, we dedicate our lives to this. And I was thinking, fair enough, the boy's confident. You know, I hope, mm. hope that happens. And see now, you look at them and you think, that's exactly it. So Aye. I think if you want to make it in music, you know, you need to give it 100%. But I can back to your original question. The next year then, 2018, was, I suppose for us now, you know, we, we play as many shows as we want, but we don't, we don't take it too seriously in terms of, you know, we know this isn't going to be our job forever, but... The, the better the gigs we can play, you know, we'll, we'll take them. So 2018 uh, was a great year. I we, <laughs> for all big Motherwell fans, unfortunately, as I've touched on, and uh, we released a re-released a song. So this song was originally written, God, maybe 30, 40 years ago. It's called Up the Well. And we released it for the 2018 Cup Final uh, against Celtic. And we, we played, we, we sometimes get asked to play gigs before Motherwell games, big games or stuff, and... You know, yeah, I know you had Stevie Moffat on uh, a couple of weeks ago. Mm. He hosts a, a night in Motherwell uh, for indie, indie music uh, in Club 100. So we got asked to play in Club 100 before the semi-final, I think it was, and we covered this song for the first time ever. You know, all the Motherwell fans were like, that's brilliant, we've never heard a live band play that, you know, because if you listen to the original, it's almost like some boy sitting in his accordion Aye. <laughs> playing away. Uh, and I think <laughs> to, hear a, to hear a band play at Folk, we're thinking, oh, that's actually decent. So we released it and we never thought anything off it. And uh, we actually get the players involved and we were recording it. Uh, really nice of them, actually. Motherwell let us record in Fir Park. So we basically took our hospitality suite, tried to soundproof it as much as possible. We a, a guy, Scott Summers, that we, we know from Motherwell that, that does home recordings. Mm-hmm. Uh, got some of the players in to sing on the choruses as well. So if there's any Celtic fans listening, we actually had uh, David Turnbull singing on the chorus. Uh, before he get his big move. So there's a few other players, Chrissy Cadden, who's now playing in America, and uh, Grimshaw, that's still at Motherwell, Richard Tate, that's now at St Mirren. But they all sang in the choruses, and 
we put it online before we'd released it. We says, if there's any Motherwell fans that want to come up and sing the chorus, because it's quite shouty, mm-hmm. come up uh, and get involved. So we had loads of folk turning up on the night and stuff, and we thought, oh, this is great. We'll, we'll put it out. We put it out about a week beforehand, and it just went absolutely mental, Martin. Like, we couldn't believe how many people were downloading it and buying it and streaming it and stuff. And it shot right up to, I think it went to number seven or eight in the Scottish charts, official Scottish charts, number one in the iTunes alternative charts for about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it went to number 14 in, in the UK charts. So it was brilliant. And then we got asked to play at the stadium on the pitch before the final. Uh which was great, you know, oh, loads of Motherwell fans there took up the whole stand behind the goals and we were on the grass looking at them, like playing some tunes. It was something that you almost dream of in a sad way if you're a Motherwell fan, you know, like playing at a stadium in front of thousands of people. It was it was really, really special. Unfortunately, that's where the uh, the joy of the day ended when we get pumped with Celtic. But, uh, I was, no, it was it's an fun. experience, that, and it's, it's uh, no everybody gets to do that. So that's mega for you. And I know, I know it was a cover, you know, but we we just stuck an original tune on as a kind of B-side. And I think that that gets so many more people that were just football fans listening to the band that weren't really music fans. Mm-hmm. You know, we stuck a song called uh, Rockstars, a wee acoustic version on the on the B-side of the single. And uh, now it's one of our most listened to tunes on, on the internet. And I think that comes off the back of that as well. But uh, it was brilliant. And as you say, we, we played with our friends at Fontaine's that year at, at Motherwell Civic at their sell-out headline show, which I think the Civic holds about 2,000 people as well. That was a, a brilliant experience just before Christmas. That uh, was a brilliant line-up as well, the three years. It was absolutely one brilliant. Of the, one of the professor as well, man. They're a really good band. Aye, I totally agree with you. I mean, uh, I'm maybe quite biased because I've had them on the podcast and because they're up the road, but in my opinion, you know, they're absolutely brilliant. The boy Johnny that sings has got an unreal voice and they had loads lined up for this year, similar to loads of bands that were just cancelled, but I think next year they'll, they'll have a lot of big shows coming out. I know they've done Tenement Trail last year and uh, they've done a headline show at Barra's Art and Design Centre that sold out as well. And I think they're down to play Playground Festival next year. Right. Uh, but, uh, they're absolutely brilliant, Martin. I love them. Absolutely That's the thing them. with these see these festivals as well. There's that many of them now that you could you can go and do four or five festivals in a year, no problem. They're just all the these kind of weird ones now. Absolutely. Yeah. I am a, I'm a big fan of them. I think they're brilliant and oh, their tunes are fantastic. They brought a tune out earlier this year called Sing For Your Supper and it's kind of about growing up in the area that we're from, you know, mm-hmm. it's in uh, the Ravenscraig shutting down and, and people saying, you need to go out and sing for your supper, you know, essentially like your granny would tell you and I just mm-hmm. think it's class. The, the video as well has got loads of old footage around about Lanarkshire in the, the early 90s and I just think... It's brilliant. They've really captured it well. Hey, just going back to the Motherwell thing, you, you were at King Touch, Pete Doherty. Was it King Touch? <laughs> That's right, aye. Pete Doherty, you <laughs> gave him your single and he was uh, wearing a mother. Was he wearing a Motherwell top? Do you know, Martin, I was absolutely gutted because I wasn't there that night, right? I've, I've no idea what I was up to, but Aaron that plays guitar and, and Daz that plays drums went along. Daz is obsessed with Pete Doherty. As I say, you know, his, his house is like a shrine to the view, but it's also a shrine to Pete Doherty. He's, he's mm. got him tattooed on his arm, his face. And uh, <laughs> they went along. And uh, an hour after the gig had finished or something, I get this video sent through to me. And it's Pete Doherty, like, holding up a Banterfeefs T-shirt and, and holding up this Up The Well CD. 
and he's, he's speaking in the mic at King Tut's and he's like, oh, the banter faves, the banter faves, what is this? And then he looks at it and he's like, up the well, up the well. That's a shite accent, but you get the, you get what I'm trying to say. I was, and then after it, I think they were outside talking to him for about 20 minutes, half an hour afterwards. And Daz actually was fucking off on a tangent again, I feel as if I'm just talking nonsense here, but uh, Daz wrote to Pete Doherty when he was in prison. Uh, hey. Just saying, like, years and years ago, just saying, like, listen, hope you're doing well, big fan of your music, like, uh, being a big fan for Day Dot, and, and Pete wrote back to him, you'll maybe be able to find that on one of your social media pages as well, and Daz said to him, uh-huh. he was telling us afterwards, Daz said to him, like, oh, I wrote to you in prison, I don't know if you'll remember, and he's like, ah, loads of folk wrote to me, but, like, I really appreciate that, so he took the time to sit and talk to them for hours, I was so jealous, man, so jealous. I, see, I, I thought that I was, like, Motherwell's biggest Libertines view fan, and <laughs> I think he might have trumped me. I never even <laughs> thought of writing to him in prison. <laughs> it's to funny, see if right, that thought came in my head, I would have done it. I, I think it was when he was in Pentonville, and I've absolutely no idea how he, he found out what Sally was in or what Jaylee was in or whatever, but wrote to him and he, he wrote back to Daz, but he drew like a wee picture as well. It's almost like a picture of himself in his cell or something like that. It's mad. <laughs> yeah. So... Then we done the LaFontaine's gag, we spoke about that. Uh, back to the view. Then, what came first? You done, did you have a couple of the boys for a DJ set or something in the Davy Cooper suite? Was that you that organised well, that? I, that was a wee bit, wee bit later on. So that my first memory of, uh, well, my first memory of the view, I think, would begin going well back. Uh, I was trying to think about this before I came on, Martin, and I don't know if you remember that as a gig, but I think my first time seeing the view must have been around 2006, 2007, and they were playing the NME tour with the horrors. And it was in the... people have spoken about this on podcast, I never went to that, I don't know. That was my first time remembering seeing the view live. And uh, then since then, you know, similar to yourself, went and watched them everywhere, but in terms of playing alongside them and getting in touch with them. We played at a festival in Dundee. God, it must have been 2010, maybe 2011 or so. Early days anyway. And Kieran was playing acoustic. It was in, now I might get the name of this team wrong. It's maybe like Dundee Violet or something. It's like a junior football team. Uh-huh. I'm and, uh, trying to hate the name of this festival because I can, I can mind all the videos and I can mind I, seeing Kieran playing. I wasn't there, but I can mind... I used to watch all the There was YouTube a girl fans. from Dundee that organised it and it was for charity. I'm sure it was for Neurofest. I'm glad you remembered the name of that. I would never have got that. Uh, it was for a kid, I'm sure that wasn't wasn't keeping too well and they, they raised a lot of money and, and Kieran played and that was the first time that I remember getting quite pal with them after it we sat with Kieran and I think the boys for the twist were maybe there or mm-hmm. there was quite a few bands playing. And uh, we just all sat having a few beers afterwards and uh, Kieran says, listen, you know, because we were quite probably pestering them, to be honest, after a few beers, saying, oh, we want to play with the view, we want to play with the view. And I think he said, here, take my number, you know, and, and keep in touch. And to be fair to him, you know, any any time that we sent him a wee message saying good luck with the gig or that, he'd get back to us. And then we played with him in Sunderland. Uh, I can't remember the year. There's some videos on, on YouTube, uh, a venue called The Independent. Uh-huh. Uh, Kieran says, listen, I'll be honest with you because I think we were trying to get on like the barras or something like that and he's like, there's so many folk trying to get on it but if he's up for coming and playing a few shows in England ways, we'll be able to get you on them, they bother, so 
aye, brilliant, no problem at all. Uh, so we opened for them in Sunderland, and you know that was a great night as well. Went out and had a, a few beers after. Uh, <laughs> aye, it was it was a good night. I remember we were probably get a bit too excited because we were, we were playing with a band that are essentially our heroes, you know. And stayed in this hotel, and we'd went out after to some club, and I remember waking up in the morning. Couldn't find my phone or my wallet, and I was thinking, "Oh no, what is what's going on here?" And uh, <laughs> I was I was so burst, absolutely burst. And uh, I phoned Daz, so it was me and Kat, me and somebody else was in a room. Daz was in another room with Keyfoot to get a singer. Now I phoned Daz, and I was like, "Listen, I used my mate's phone that was in the room." With I says, "I've lost my phone. Where is it?" And he's like, "Oh, I've no idea." He's like, "If you tried phoning it," and I was like, "I need his answer." And he's like, "Just try it again." So I phoned it again and it, somebody answers it and it's this English voice. And I was like, oh, how are you doing? I've lost my phone, have you got it? And he's like, you're not getting your phone back, mate. And I was thinking, oh, for fuck's sake, what's going on here? Like total hangover, can I be asked for this? I says, no, nah, listen, I need to get my phone back. Like, just tell us where it is. And he's like, right, here's the address. So the gig was in Sunderland. This guy then tells me an address in Newcastle and says, come and pick it up if you want. I found it in a club last night in Sunderland. So I was like, oh, brilliant. No bother, I'll, I'll come and pick it up. So we all go down in the morning and went to the van or whatever. And I was like, listen, we need to go to Newcastle this address to get my phone back. And uh, they were like, you're not turning up at some random guy's house. Like, you could be MD. Like, no, you don't do that. And they're like, phone the police. And I was like, no, I'm not phoning the police. And they're like, just phone the police and ask for it back. And I was like, I'm not phoning the police. And they're like, phone the guy again and, and tell him to bring it here or meet us halfway or something. So I phoned this guy back. Daz just pulls the phone out of his pocket and he's holding it. And he's like, oh, I'd left it in their room the night before. I was absolutely furious, man. Uh, same thing. I, I, I was, anyway, it was another, another good night with playing with the view. And then. After that, Daz became quite pally with Kieran and uh, Kyle and, and Mo as well. So quite often he'd get them through uh, to do DJ sets or, or play solo gigs in Motherwell or Lanarkshire on the surrounding areas. And I, we, we had, uh, I'm sure Kieran and Kyle, I think, definitely Kieran, both DJed in the mm-hmm. David Cooper suite in Motherwell. I can uh, mind Mo getting, it was like boxing That's night right, or something. Right. Because I was meant to go to it, there was something, I don't know why it was cancelled or something, I don't know if it was just the bad weather, can't mind, it was like gale force winds or something, but I I wanted to go to that, but then... That's right, I remember Mo coming through and DJing as well actually, that's right, Because right? mm. I'm trying to get him in the podcast and he says to me, he says, oh, I don't mind coming, coming through to you, and I says, oh, we'll just do a Zoom call, because... I don't know what to put you in. He said, no, I don't mind. I drive to mother home. So that's obviously why. <laughs> so if he does come through, Aye, that, that will be why. I'll end up uh, catching up with you. I've no heard, I've no heard from him in, in ages. You know, Daz, Daz was probably the closest to him out of the office. And uh, <laughs> Daz always used to go through and pick him up. Because I, I don't know if Mo drives or no, but I remember like beforehand, he's like, right, I need to go and pick Mo up for the DJ set. And then I think he maybe stayed at Darren's that night. And, you know... Similar to other boys, you know, just always up for a good laugh and, and into, the, into their tunes, you know. So, aye, brilliant. We've had some great nights with them coming through in, in DJing as well. Mm. And then that would uh, that would lead you into getting Kyle for the electric bar. 
that was a great night. Aye, that was that one, aye. Aye, I was at that. When I, that was the day Hibs beat Rangers in the Scottish Cup final. And I can mind coming in with my nephew, and my nephew was a Rangers fan. And uh, we went in, and there was still folk there that been in watching the game with the Rangers scarves. But actually, I can mind going in and thinking it was going to be in the big function suite. And I walked right. like I walked in, there was a wedding in there. And I thought, like, this can't be right, man. I've met my gig in here. And it was in that wee bar. <laughs> uh, and then we went in, and all the guys are there with the Rangers scarves, and the, the woman behind the bar saying, Nobody's getting served. You can't get everybody that's not got a ticket has to get out. She wasn't she wasn't serving and until the folk get out. But they were on a half because they'd been beat. So there's a big stink about that. So that's went on for about half an hour. You couldn't get a drink at the bar. Uh, but that was a really good lineup that like everybody you put on. You had that wee Stephen Higgins, you had Jamie playing, obviously yourselves. Uh, there, was a, there was a few bands, weren't there? So, aye, so that was I can't remember who else was on that. Thing, but I'm sure that was round about Christmas as well. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm making. Oh that no, up, no, but... Scottish, Scottish Cup finals. It was. Oh, of course, it was I was May. May. Aye. Uh, that was a great night. I remember that. You're right. I remember the folk because uh, usually it's it was quite a lot of regulars in there, and the, the landlord was booting it. People that didn't have tickets, and the the old boys that sat and drink in there at the bar are saying, "I'm not paying fifteen quid for a ticket for some guy I've never heard of." <laughs> and then see by the end of the night, it was absolutely bouncing. I'm sure they said the capacity was something like 170, and there must have been nearly double that in there or something. It was, oh, it was jam-packed, man. It was jam-packed. That's what that's one of the best gigs I've been to. And it was it was brilliant to kind of just have a gig in your kind of hometown, man. I thought that was excellent, man, having somebody like Kyle come and play there. Do you know, I, and, and that's the thing, like, for me, like, you can go to these big festivals or you can go to gigs at places like the Hydro, but see, you have somebody that you you love their music so much, playing in a room with just a few hundred people, something really special about it, isn't there? Mm. Well, it was excellent, man. And that was, I took my nephew to that gig, and that was the first time my nephew had been to a gig. And since then, he's seen Kyle another four times. He's been to see the Snuts. Yeah, he's going to see the Snuts again. He's going to see Declan Welsh. So that's kind of got him into music that way. So that's kind of, I'd thank you for that, for putting that gig on. I think that that's testament to the band, though, as well. You know, like the view of played massive festivals and supported bands like the Stone Roses and, and things like that, but they never seem to shy away, especially Kyle, never seem to shy away from playing wee pubs and stuff, you know, throughout his solo career as well. And, even when he was in the view, he would always turn up and play, you know, small mm-hmm. venues for the people that really appreciate his music. Yeah. I seen him uh, I seen him in solo tour in Paisley at the Boogaloo. And he'd been there, he played there, that's a uh, good pub. No, um, I've heard it's a class class venue. I've seen some videos for that night. Ah, uh, that's that's brilliant. I think he's played that a couple of times. And where else did I I seen him early on when the twist were playing in King Cuts. And he appeared, he was down the stairs just playing a reset himself. So, like, nobody knew he was no coming. Way. 
But I can I get a bit overawed when I see the band. I, I think I punched him in the stomach and told him he had to play the barrels on a Saturday night because to get to get <laughs> on a Tuesday night, I couldn't get time off my work. So I get a bit over exuberant when when they're about. But eh, uh, <laughs> uh, mother will make music festival. Happened, I think there was two years, three years maybe. But you was involved in the running of that running of that as well. Ah yeah, ages. so pretty much, I pretty much myself for organising it, Martin. So uh, first year was twenty seventeen, I think. What year are we now? 20, 2017. Aye, 2017 would have been the, aye, 2017 would have been the first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, went really, really well. I'm trying to think who was on the, the lineup for that one, but it was, it was a cracking, cracking year. Well, that's obviously yeah. when I look at the lineups and they were like you've got big bands that have like bands that might not have been big then, but I've been to like Declan Welsh and people like that, the Begbies. That's sure. it. So, yeah. I the, the, the aim of it, the aim of it's always been to try and bring, you know, some of the best up and coming acts in Scotland to a town like Motherwell. You know, it's it's quite close to Glasgow, but we don't really get many gigs through here. So, when bands do come and play, people turn out to see it. Mm. So, always to try and showcase the best Scottish bands, but also give musicians from Motherwell and Philanthropshire a platform to play. Uh, so, we've done 2017, 2018. Unfortunately, just you know, on a, on a personal level for me, there was too much going on last year. My dad wasn't keeping too well and things like that. So I always say is I'll need to just take a bit of a back seat. And then this year we're, we're having another one uh, in 2020. But unfortunately, it's due to the current circumstances, it's just going to be digital. We were really mm-hmm. hoping to have it in September or October this year. Uh, but it's just going to be digital this year and we're going to be raising, raising funds for help musicians, which hopefully will give some money to, you know, people behind the scenes in, in the music industry that haven't been working this year and are, are maybe struggling. So that's going to be in the 20th of December. Don't know if any's seen that, MD listening, uh, seen that uh, Sam's Night uh, that they've done. Hey, uh, was that in West Lothian or something, wasn't it? It was in West Lothian, aye. Uh-huh. So I know that the Snuts played, I think Capaldi was involved, and it was mainly, rather than the bands playing live on the night, it was kind of like live streams, so like live sets that they'd pre-recorded and, and sent over. So it'll probably be quite similar to that. It'll be like two or three songs uh, per per artist. And the headliner's Ross Layton, who sings and plays in Fatherson. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the professor that we spoke about earlier, they're going to be doing a few tunes for us. Uh, Tommy Maguire, a girl called Riley. Uh, India, India, who's just won the... Uh, best hip hop act at the Scottish Alternative Music Awards is going to be playing as well. So it's it's a really good lineup, and mm-hmm. you know if if this is get out before then, if please check it out. It'll be the twentieth of December. Totally free to watch, but there'll be a wee link there as well if folk want to donate uh, to help musicians. Mm-hmm. But I, as you say, Martin, if it rambling on again, there's been some great bands played over the years. We've had Declan Welsh with the Dunts. Uh, I'm trying to think who else we had that year. You know there was. Some brilliant, brilliant bands on. We had Luke Lavolpe, we had Mark Sharp. Uh, it's, it's been class over the years, it's been really good. Uh, so, I mean, if you look at the bands now, to like where they were then, to where they are now, like, you obviously kind of have got a, an ear for music and what's going to be a hat or whatever. You could be the next Pete Waterman. <laughs> I'll take Pete Waterman and Lily Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny though because you you know I think that's the benefit of being in bands and just being into the Scottish music scene is 
you listen to these up and coming bands and you'll probably notice at first, like these boys or these girls are absolutely brilliant. Why are folk not listening to them? And then you're shouting to your mates and your friends and your family, like, come to this gig, come to this gig. And they're saying, oh, I've not heard of they people. I'm not sure about that. I'll maybe come. And then two years down the line, they're massive. Well, you know, this, is, this is the thing, though. I'm guilty of see bands with funny names. I'm kind of guilty of just writing <laughs> them off. So what I wrote off the snuts, because I thought, what sort of name is that? And it was the same <laughs> way, Catfish and the Bottleman. Didn't they like them? I hadn't heard anything, but everybody kept going on about catfish in the bottom, and I was like, no, pish, absolute pish. And then, see, once you hear it, you're <laughs> fucking brilliant, man. And you, you wish you were listening to it for the start? Aye. So, uh, I mean, see, like, the banter, the banter feats, where did the, the name come from? Is there any kind of... I really, I really, really don't know. I mean, I, I've absolutely no idea. <laughs> We've been asked this so many times, and I'm no sure where it came from. It, it's it's wrongly spelt, uh, so it should be the banter thieves. Uh-huh. But we've always kind of said that the way in Lanarkshire or the way in even the west of Scotland, folk always say you're a thief, or you know, we never really hear people saying thieves. It's always like thieves. Mm-hmm. So we kind of kept it with that Lanarkshire twang, and maybe in hindsight we we should have changed it. But well, that's is a hint because we had uh, the other band, the Vigo thieves. Yeah. Uh-huh, I sure exactly. as well. So, and you were out about the same time, and they supported the view as well, didn't they? They did, I. We were out at the same time, I, and, and I still got on really well with Big Gino that, that plays bass, or mm-hmm. played bass in the Vigo Thieves. He's now actually managing Linder the Professor. Right. Uh, and, and Stevie Jukes and Alan Jukes, who were in the band as well, now make up St. Phoenix, who I've had on my own podcast as well. And, you know, the gigs that they're playing across Europe they now are unbelievable, man. Playing massive, massive gigs, supporting people like Youngblood and supporting Louis Capaldi and all that. So uh, there's been some great bands for in about this area that, you know, that we, we almost take for granted considering Lanarkshire and, and Motherwell and even Scotland is such a small place. There's some amazing, like, talented musicians coming out of it, you know? Uh, it's thriving. I think it's thriving. And as I spoke about in the podcast, so like, once we get back to normal, I think it's going to music's going to blow up and it's going to be kind of this sort of music that it's. I think it's going to be like a, a new wave of kind of the Strokes Libertines. I think it's going to be, there's so much ready to just go. I don't know if you've seen the announcement for the, the Snuts gig at the Barrowlands, which is going to be next year. And, and, I'm uh, buying Jack tickets played, for that, aye. Uh, Jack played Glasgow to like an empty Barrowlands and then after it he'd done this amazing speech and he, he said something in it that really stuck with me. It was like, People have said guitar music's dead or whatever, you know, but this is for the people that have believed in it. And I think that there's so many folk out there that have just stuck with it. And I think next year there's going to be so many guitar bands coming out that deserve the credit, you know, mm-hmm. and, and will really get the crowds. My only worry for next year, Martin, is that there's going to be so many folk wanting to rush back to gigs that we're all going to be skint. <laughs> you know, what, what ones are we going to go to? Well, this is a hint seen the last week. I've lined up four gigs. So I've got Declan Welsh in March, then I get the Snuts, then I get Jerry Cinnamon, then I get La Fontaine's, like all kind of month after month after month. And that's like, I hadn't, I don't think I went to a, a gig this full year, so, or the year before. So like, I'm kind of going to make up for it. And there's hundreds of new music that I've kind of got into through Spotify this year. So I, I kind of want to make an effort to make sure we get to see all these new bands that are coming out along with the view once they appear. 
I know, I'm really excited about that, to be honest, man. Even even Kyle's solo album, I'm excited about that as well. But mm-hmm. for me, nothing beats a view gig. You know, it's, I've been to hundreds, maybe even thousands of gigs over the years, you know, involved in playing with them or, or putting them on or, or just going to them and nothing compares to seeing the view live. There's just something that, that energy that exists in the crowd, that the connection with the band's just so special. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't know if that's the same when the view go and play in places like Manchester or London or Nottingham or whatever, but certainly in Glasgow and Edinburgh and around Scotland, it, it's electrifying, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's something else. It's, it's, I don't think you can describe it and you need to be there to kind of witness it. It's just I'm not. I'm not sure if uh, if you remember it though, Martin. You're, you're always getting getting chucked out of your gigs, if I remember. No, well, in, a previous podcast. In the last <laughs> the last few years before they they chucked it, I kind of I got a bit older and kind of a bit better <laughs> behaved. Kind of, I mean, see, like the last few years of me going to gigs, I, I started kind of going myself because I didn't want to take people there and kind of if. You see, when you go to a gig with somebody and you kind of spend half a night wondering if they're enjoying it, and I said, like, no, I'm just going to go to gigs myself and just, then I know that I'm there to see them. So the, the last one that I was at was Liam Gallagher at the Hydro and Dylan John Thomas in the DMAs were the support and I hate the DMAs and the way I planned oh, it. Joking, I don't like them, man. Everybody loves them and I don't like oh. them. Martin, they're my, they're my favourite band at the moment, man. I love so that was fair, isn't it? Well, I went to see... <laughs> I got in and I just got the start of Dylan John Thomas. And so I seen Hammer, watched his full set. Then I went out, got a couple of beers, sank my beers, went outside for a fag, went back in, got a T-shirt, got another beer, drank that, back out for another couple of fags, back in, and DMAs were just going off. And just sat <laughs> 10 minutes and then Liam Gallagher was on and I thought, that's just my perfect gig, man. I just done it all brilliant and that was just me, myself. So sorry if I've offended you with DNAs, but I just don't get it, man. I'm telling you, you don't know what you missed. You should have stayed in there rather than smoking grey fags and buying the T-shirts, man. <laughs> I don't, I just don't like it, man. I don't, I don't get it at all. And Stevie Moffat, he's big into them. All my pals are big into them, but I just... I don't know they're one of the bands. It took me a, it took me a wee bit longer than others to get into them, but they announced that they're playing in Edinburgh at the, is it the summer sessions uh, mm-hmm. in August, and that's the that's the first gig ticket I've bought for uh, 2021 because I, I absolutely love them so much, man. I think they're brilliant. Well, I agree to disagree on that. Aye, aye. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that in terms of the DMs. Good job we're not in the same room. <laughs> well, eh. Uh, do you want to go into Fat Bars, your mother, the mother old boys? You want to speak about that? Aye, how, how, did, how did you get into them? When did that come about? Is that before the band or after the band? Or kind of... Probably around about the same time as, as we were starting the band, aye. Uh, almost by accident, I suppose. You know, we've been going and watching Mother Old, as I said at the start of the podcast, with my, my dad and my uncles and stuff since I was God, three or four year old. Uh, but I suppose, you know, the, the benefit of watching Motherwell is that the majority of the people that are sitting or standing around you are all for the, the same area or the surrounding areas. So you've you've known most of these boys and girls, mainly boys, but I have some girls in there as well, uh, since you were kids and you've, you've grown up together. So 
I think with that kind of thing, you know, I love going to the football and I love watching Mother, but for me, it's about going and supporting the team and, and creating an atmosphere and, you know, almost that collective community spirit, you know, that I, I think means so much more than, than just the 11 players that are playing for your team on the park. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately that, you know, as I touched on earlier as well, when, when you don't win so much, the, the thing that's more important is the, is the company that you keep, you know, and, and the people that are around you, the players and the managers and even the, the staff in the boardroom will come and go uh, over time, you know, but, but for us, it's the people that you're going to the games with that, that is ever-present. Uh, so what we try to do, you know, as, as a collective group of supporters is, is just instill a wee bit of atmosphere into the team. Uh, you know, as, as well, we, we try and do things like supporting community initiatives. So, uh, as you're probably aware, Motherwell is a fan-owned club and uh, I'm, I'm very lucky to have been elected by other Motherwell supporters to sit on the board of the Well Society, which is a model for fan ownership. So we are now the majority of shareholders there. Uh, and, and through that, you know, we, we get involved in loads of community initiatives. Uh, for example, we've brought Syrian refugees to Fir Park. Uh, over the over the years as well, try to integrate them in the local community when they when they first moved here. Uh, we've done loads of things in regards to you know donating to mental health charities and, and suicide awareness as well, uh, and also just you know things that you you would take for granted, I suppose, like uh, food bank collections or, or clothing collections or toy collections around Christmas and winter that you know many people are doing. But when you've got such a, I was going to say big fan base, maybe not in comparison to some of the people that are listening to this but mm-hmm. when you've got you know such a big fan base of people that are bought into it you know to bring them together and just help the, the wider community is really important for me uh-huh so that ties into politics as well doesn't it which you're kind of quite passionate about aye absolutely i mean i think that's for me that <laughs> unfortunately maybe my passions are, are football music and, and politics i'm a big supporter of scottish independence uh made no no secret to that, certainly on social media or, or whoever I meet in person, you know, that I've, mm-hmm. I think before the referendum in 2014, I was always kind of a bit involved with politics because my dad's always kind of been a bit left-wing type politics way and, and when you're brought up in that environment with my mum who was a nurse and my dad who was a social worker, you've not really got much of a choice, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I very, very much pro-independence. Uh, would like to get rid of any sort of Tory government that are, that are in power, be that in, in England at the moment or, or any councillors or MSPs that they might have in Scotland as well. I can't believe that uh, a country that, you know, its industry has been absolutely stripped by them, continue to, to vote for them, albeit, no, albeit not in big numbers. But I, when yeah. you're born in a place like Motherwell and you're brought up to, as I said, you know, uh, families that have lived in working class areas, and, you know, you've got family members who've worked in the Ravenscraig and, and had their livelihoods taken away from them, then it's it's almost hand in hand that you're going to have uh, strong political opinions about that type of thing. Yeah. My wife, she's uh, she's English, and I, can, uh, I have arguments with her mum and dad and uh, her uncle about fat German. They, like, that's a big... <laughs> they, they, they're weak for London, so they only see the good that she done, and I'm like that when she decimated her town, and how like, and they're like, oh, calm down, you don't need, you don't need to get so angry, but people that don't live here, they don't understand kind of what this town went through. So that's, Absolutely. I think that's why we are, we are all passionate about it, and we are. It did help the 
in 2014 when it, it kind of woke more people up to it. And that can only it be did. a good thing. And, and it's, it's interesting that you touch on you know, your wife's English, because my gran uh, and my dad's side was actually English. She was from Grimsby and uh, and met my granddad in the Second World War and then moved up to Scotland and, and made a family. And I think that there's this, certainly in, in the earlier years, there was kind of an underlying thing of, you know, being pro-Scottish independence, people could see it as being anti-English. And for me, it's, it's totally not that, you know. I, I've got so much respect for people in, in England, especially in, in the north of England, who I think are very, very similar to the Scots. Uh, but it's actually just about believing in in democracy and, you know, and believing in making your own decisions. And the thing with Thatcher is, like, you, you've touched on it yourself. You live here in the shadow of Ravenscraig and... As much as it's beginning to recover now, it's taken decades. You know, it yeah. really, really has. And there's men and women that, like, people think of the, the steel workers has been out of job, but it's the knock-on effect. You know, it's the paper shop down the road or the roll shop that shuts down or the, the pubs where, you know, the steel men used to come out on a, a Friday afternoon and go for a pint that now don't have that footfall. And uh, the, the government at the time never put anything in place to really create any training or opportunities for this. You know, it was just mass unemployment and... As I say, it's, it's took decades to recover, you know, and it's it's a real shame. Some of these people never, ever worked again. And they, they had a strong sense of pride in terms of the work that they were doing was, you know, it was rewarding and it was heavy industry. And they were making such a difference, create, making this steel that was shipped across the world. And to then be made feel as if you're useless and there's nothing there for you, it's, it's not only demoralising, it's, you know, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, it's understandable that people then become passionate and angry and all these things because as it's people's lives at the end of the day. So going on for that then, going on for politics, we'll start talking about your podcast and how that came about and what kind of, what was the reason what kind of made you decide to do a podcast? I suppose similar to yourself, Martin, you know, I'd imagine if you're speaking to yourself, we're probably in the same boat, listen to loads of different podcasts. And uh, I think when you're listening to them for so long, you think, oh, I'd love to do that myself. Maybe similar to me for, for being in a band, you know, I started listening to bands and then I thought I want to do that as well. And mm-hmm. it was actually my, my girlfriend, Natalie, who said to me, she's like, you're always going on about podcasts, why don't you do your own? And I'm, I'm really glad she did say that because I probably wouldn't have done it myself. Sometimes you... You need a bit of a kick up your arse to believe in yourself uh, and, and actually have the confidence to go and do it. So I started it back in March 2018. So it's been going for just about a year and a half now, mm-hmm. uh, approaching two years as of next year. And uh, I've kind of wanted to make it as, as varied as possible. So I've had people on for loads of different walks of life. Uh, you'd be that, you know, TV or radio or being in music or even politicians or it's been, it's been really, really varied. You know, I've, the first one that I've done was with a Motherwell player called Liam Grimshaw, who's, who's still at Motherwell. Uh, my best mate for school, uh, Gordon Duncan, was the second one for him to, that listens to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. You'll maybe have heard uh, mm-hmm. Gordon on that. And, and for there, it's kind of grew. And it, it's, it's, I'm really, really delighted with it. Actually, this year, it's, it's been fantastic. The listener figures have just kept going up and up. And, I'm now over 50 podcasts, so um, for people that are listening to this, that you might uh, be interested in listening to some of them. I've done one with Kieran for The View. Uh, he was really kind to have us around his flat in Glasgow and, and talk a wee bit about The View and talk about his solo stuff with Webb. 
uh, had Barry for the Fratellis on for folk that like Scottish music. Uh, Luna the Professor and the La Fontaines that we, we touched on earlier. And then I've just had, you know, I've had some daft guests as well. I say daft, maybe that's the, the wrong wording, but I've had the, probably the most popular and, and biggest one that I get the most coverage for was with Amanda Knox, who uh, mm-hmm. get found guilty of murder in Italy. She's an American student uh, and then get acquitted after doing a number of years in an Italian prison. So it's I, it's, it's been really, really varied. Uh, mm-hmm. But I loads of, loads of music guests on there that folk might enjoy. The, the thing that I like about it is it's kind of like you're, the guests you have on, like if you look at some of the podcasting in a bit, it's the same kind of guests on everyone, whereas you're kind of, all yours are different. You've not really got the same as other podcasts. I've never heard MDL's interviewing Amanda Knox. <laughs> uh, I've never heard Kieran on any other podcast or anything like that. So that's kind of, I think that's good that you're, you're doing your own thing and you're not just swapping guests a bit. It's it's funny you say that because I done a podcast with Saint Phoenix Glasgow band, uh, and I remember speaking to him at the time when he says, you know, there's there's this Glasgow music scene, and everybody wants to make it big in Glasgow. You know, they they want to make it so that they, they sell it King Tuts, and then they go and sell it the Barras, and they're saying, so do we? We'd love to do that, and and we have done that. He says, but somebody said to us, you know, think think bigger than that. You know, like don't always just think about Glasgow, and. Uh, They've done that and they're now playing gigs all over Europe, as I, as I mentioned earlier. So, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe subconsciously I took that on board, but I, I was looking at other podcasts, like you said, in Scotland, and they were all getting similar guests on. So I thought, so I'll just approach people that aren't necessarily for Scotland and see what they say. Mm-hmm. So I've had like uh, the boy for some 41 on, I've had uh, Wheatus that done Teenage Dirtbag, Amanda Knox, as you said, and, and a few people for Down South and stuff as well, because I just think. I'd rather make it different so that people want to come back and hear more rather than thinking, oh, I've maybe heard this guy on a podcast before, so there's no point listening to it again. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because that's the thing, because a lot of them end up just being the same interview, but we're just a different uh, interviewee. Well, that's what it is. Okay. And something that, I, I mean, that you, you've done really well as well, Martin, is, is you get people on that you know or you, you enjoy what they do. You know, so for me, it's always been... I'm not mm-hmm. going to just ask somebody to be on my podcast because they've got loads of followers on Instagram or because, you know, somebody tells me that they're good. I'll get them on. I'll get people on that I'm interested in. You know, so if I'm interested in, like, football or if I'm interested in politics or if I'm interested in music, I'll tend to go for people that I like. I wouldn't just pick up the phone and look for somebody that's popular. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, that's really good, man. That's been uh, a really good chat tonight, man. Going quite I have really enjoyed it. Thanks. I've Thanks not... so much for, for uh, having us on. And, and sorry if I've been rambling. I feel as if I've been getting off on one, but no, I don't be silly. You're not the longest one on it. I've had I've had people <laughs> on for I, I had Martin Gray on, and we had we get half an hour of conversation, but I couldn't get that down for like about two and a half hours. And still, uh, can I just tell you uh, if if there's anybody listening to this that that hasn't listened to the episode with Martin Gray, go back and listen to it because Martin. And his knowledge of the view and he, he's fantastic and actually in terms of playing in a band as well Martin's always came along to our gigs and he's always took photos and he's always kind of wrote wee reviews online and, and for promoting you know Scottish music Martin's really a pioneer out there he's, mm-hmm. he's a great guy as well an absolute gentleman aye the boy's class but aye so thanks very much for coming on 
I'll speak to you. No, thank you. Thanks. Okay. Thanks again for listening to the podcast, guys. If you can like, share, download and listen to the podcast, that would be amazing. If you want to check out the Mother Who Makes Music gig, you can do be following Derek on Facebook. It's still there and I'm pretty sure you can still make a donation. It's all for a good cause. That's it for now. And as I said, I hope you all have a brilliant new year and I'll see you in a couple of weeks for the next episode. Thanks again, guys. Cheers. I want you to know